and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and I am to be your boss's worst nightmare. Well, it's Tuesday 18th of October 2016 here in the UK, and in my part of the UK, a little bit of a dull and cool day, but uh, I'm recording this before I take Jack out. I thought uh, I'd do it the opposite way from normal this morning, so I'll be walking my little Jack Russell Terrier immediately after I've recorded this. Anyway, I wanted to hop on because I had a thought that was fresh in my mind, or at least what passes for a thought these days for me. Um, Decisions. Decisions. Looking back, when you've taken decisions about your career, when you've taken the decisions that have led you to where you are right now, how have you done that? And what have you based those decisions on? Because I, I can tell you, looking back over my career, certainly the first 30-odd years of it, whenever I made a change, I think I made them for the wrong reasons. Now, I, I've spoken in previous podcasts at length to um, being in a job for 12 years that I hated and following that in a job that I merely tolerated for 20 years, so in total 32 years. But I don't talk about uh, a job that I had even earlier than that, which was my first proper job, if you like, when I left school. So I didn't go to college. I left school and went into a civil service job. Uh, I think you'd call that a government job in the US or probably other places in the world, but here it'd be called a civil service job. I, I drifted into that first up. That, that's the key thing that you should know. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I left school. I happened to have a, an uncle and a cousin who were both in the civil service. Not that nepotism played a part. I must stress that from the start because they just suggested that I went. There, there were interviews being had and they suggested in Nottingham, which was near to my home uh, village. Um, and they suggested I went and had an interview because I had nothing else to do. No one at the interview knew my uncle or my cousin. I must make that absolutely clear at the outset. There was no nepotism. And you wouldn't need nepotism for the sort of job that I was going for anyway. It was at the lowest level of the lowest level. Um, so, But I actually was very lucky. I was extraordinarily lucky. I drifted into that. I had no idea where I was going, but I was extraordinarily lucky because I ended up in a new department that was really exciting. I can't, I'm not going to tell you much about it because it, it's, it's defunct now. I mean, things have moved on, but uh, I mean, it was pre-computer days and it was pre-everything, but it was a, a new and exciting and vivid department. And I had the most wonderful boss there, a lady by the name of Marion. And uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, we were on a thing called flexi time in those days, whereby we had to keep our own timesheets, and we were allowed to carry. I think we had we had a ridiculous thing like it was something like thirty seven hours thirty six minutes or something like it was. A, it was just it may not have been exactly that, but it was a stupid thing like that. That was your working week, and you had to keep a f- flexi time flow sheet sort of thing showing you when you'd worked and when you hadn't worked and all that sort of stuff. And at the end of the month, if you'd got time equivalent to a day and a half over you could carry that over into the next month and you could take it off at you know with management agreement you could take it off whenever you did it got to the point that i was working such long hours because i loved what i was doing i literally just put the day and a half in at the end and and everybody knew that that was okay until we had some auditors down uh, who said no no you've got to fill in every every minute that you're here and all that sort of stuff but it was ridiculous because i was working because i loved what I was doing. It was vibrant. It was exciting. Anyway, what changed? A couple of things. First off, as I say, I didn't go to college, but a friend of mine did and went to university down in London. And I spent a couple of weekends down there. 
And I decided this is this is far more exciting than living in my village. This is far more exciting than the life I'm leading. Not realising that he was living a student lifestyle, wasn't he? Had no responsibilities at all, apart from turning up to the odd lecture and maybe handing in the essay every now and then. And the rest of it was party time. <laughs> I thought in my stupidity that life would be like that for me. And... Around about the same time, it was decided that Mary, my wonderful boss, the, the civil service was, I don't know if it still is, but it had this fantastic thing that if you proved that you were good in an area and really good at a job, they'd move you sideways into something you knew nothing about. It's a bit like government, I suppose. You, you'll get these cabinet reshuffles here and um, <laughs> somebody will prove really good in a particular department and get it going and singing and, and really understand their brief. And the minute they understand their brief, they'll move somewhere to where they've got a whole new staff. They know nothing and no one, and they're left floundering in. I mean, it's the ridiculous thing. But that used to be the case uh, within the civil service. So Marion was told she was going to be moved, moved elsewhere. Now, Marion and I worked as a team. Literally, there were, there were, in fact, by the time I left, there were only three of us in the team. There were, there, I'd been promoted. Marion was my, still my boss, and there was somebody under me. But we worked very much as a team. And the person that was being drafted in to take Marion's position was well known for being lazy, a troublemaker, and all these things. And I thought, I'm not carrying this person. And anyway, I've found this new and exciting life down in London. So I applied for a transfer down to London. Now, in those days, in those days, the civil service operated a system whereby you could move into London with the civil service, but you could not move out because there was such a shortage of people wanting to work in the civil service in London. Now, why that didn't ring alarm bells with me, I had no idea. Because (laughs) here's the thing. The pay was really, really poor. I mean, really poor. And I was struggling living at home with my mum and dad. And it never occurred to me that, hang on a minute, if I'm struggling living at home with mum and dad, what's it going to be like when I have to move out? Um, And I was 20 by this stage, so it was absolutely right that I was moving out, thinking of moving out. I mean, tensions were growing. We still love one another, but tensions were growing. And it was Row was easily sparked. I did not think this through. I didn't think, hang on a minute, I'm struggling on my wages at home. And while there's a small uplift, it's like a, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, a 5% uplift or something, but it was not enough to make uh, any real difference. There was a small uplift. How am I going to manage when I'm having to pay rent at a commercial rate? And I'm having to feed myself and launder my own clothes because mum and dad, well, mum was doing all that for me. Do all that sort of stuff. How am I going to manage that and still have this party lifestyle that my friend's having? And of course I didn't. I I, I mean, it was ridiculous. I, I moved into a job down there and I was struggling. I was struggling like crazy. And I was having to pick up the phone rather embarrassingly most weeks and say, can you stick a fiver in the pot? Because it was, you know, we had a, payphone in the flat <laughs> that the landlord had put in and um, phoning costs money and I didn't have money and thinking back it's it's uh, it's almost like it was a, a a different life it was a different life in a way but I'd sort of phone up and say can you stick a fiver in the post for me you know and, and that's the way money was transferred in fact I, going back to those days I still somewhere I kept it have a letter from my bank uh, and it literally was two lines it says 
Dear Mr. Eyre, we notice with some concern your account is overdrawn to the tune of £7. Please adjust. <laughs> that, was, that was it. <laughs> and when I got that letter, I thought the bottom had dro- dropped out of my world. But anyway, that may go on to explain why. I worked at a thing called a job centre, which is uh, where people in the UK, which is where people go to find work, who are unemployed, go to find work. Or it did then. I, I've no, I think they still exist. And I worked there. And into the job centre came a job at a local retailer that was paying £300 a year more than I was currently getting. £300 a year. So that would be, at today's rates, probably about, what would, of course, the, the pound has fallen against the dollar. So at today's rates, about $350 a year more. <laughs> a year, not a month, a year, not, not, not a week, a year more. And I was desperate. I was absolutely desperate. And I applied for it and I got it. And the only reason I applied for it was money. Was money. I didn't want to work in retail. At all. And I'd only been there a couple of weeks and I already knew I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I was there for the next 12 years. Um, And the decider... As I've said, was money. I made a poor decision when I moved down from my home to London. It was right that I moved out, but it, I hadn't thought that through. I made a poor decision because I was dazzled by the bright lights and thinking that I could have that life. There was there was nothing to back that up. Very poor decision. I mean, money is a lousy decision to unless you're already in a job you love and somebody offers you the same job, doing the same thing for more money. Money isn't a reason to move. Money is not a a good reason to make a a decision like that. Anyway, I was in that job for 12 years and I really got to my wits end with it. Absolutely. Really, I I was in some dark places and we'd got two kids by then. And uh, I looked around to see what else I could do because I needed to, to do something different. And again, money was the thing because by now I was sort of in my early 30s. The only thing I really knew was retail, and the retailer I was with at the time had the reputation as the best in the UK. But I hated it. I mean, some people loved it. I hated it. So I was looking around for what I could do in my early 30s, who would take me on and pay me the money that I needed, because Carol didn't work at that time. It was me. We were getting into debt, and... Uh, it was the old-fashioned family. It was My wife was staying at home with our boys, and we still don't regret that decision. While we missed out hugely on material things, we still don't regret that decision. We were fortunate. Our boys considered themselves fortunate that they had mum around. They didn't have me around, because I was working all hours, but they had mum around, which was, which was great. So I looked around, and the only thing, this was in the early 90s, just at the beginning of the 90s, and... The only thing I found was that there were loads of financial services companies offering to take you on and to train you and promising virtually unlimited earnings. So it was the money thing again. It was two things. It was the fact that I didn't know anything else. I didn't believe anybody would take me on as a trainee in their 30s when they could take somebody on straight out of school or straight out of college. I didn't believe that anybody would take me on as a trainee and pay me sufficiently to at least match what I was getting at the moment, if not give me more. So money was the decider again. 
And so I had no desire to work in financial services, but I moved over there and found it was way better than retail, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was there for 20 years because the money was okay. Because for once, although initially there were a couple of very sticky patches indeed, I got pretty good at what I did. I gave good service. I always, wherever I was, whether it was in the civil service, whether it was in retail, whether it was, I always tried to do my best by the the customer or the client. I gave good service. And in truth, some of the people that I met when I was in financial services were fascinating people. And there's no way I'd have met them otherwise. So I'm grateful for that opportunity to have met them. But I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And well, that brings us up to 2010. And if you haven't heard this before, I'm not going to go into the story in detail because I've told it so many times. But essentially, I was on a mountainside in Italy, uh, August the 12th, 2010. And I sat with Carol and said, next week, when I go back to work, I go back to the back of the queue for my own time. Everybody else has a prior say on what I do with my day. I'm just not going to do that anymore because I want to know when's my time to live the life I want to live. When's my time to do the things that we want to do? When's my time for me to become the person I'm meant to be? And that was the pivotal moment because I was starting to make decisions for the right reasons. I was starting to ask better questions, if you like. That's the thing. If you ask better questions of your life, you then start to get better answers. Now, I'm not saying I immediately made the right decisions after that. No, but I was on the right track. So what I'd say to you in a rather long-winded way is think about the decisions that you've made. Think about the decisions in the past that have led you to where you want to be and think about why they are ultimately so dissatisfying. And I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that money has played a part in there somewhere. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is be brave and think about what it is you really want to do. Think about that. Not what will pay you a lot of money. Think about what it is you really want to do. Think about how you can see yourself being of value. Think about what is going to earn you significance in your life. And then when you've thought of that and when you've identified what it is you want to do, then start thinking about, hey, how do I go about making a career out of this? How do I go about making sure that I can stay? Because I'm not saying that you won't have bills to pay anymore. I'm not saying you won't have commitments to me. Of course you will. But it's going to be a way better life if you're meeting those commitments by doing something that you've chosen because you love it, not because of the offer of a big pay packet. Take money out of the equation just for a while and make your decisions based on that. Hope that's been useful to you. If it has, what I'd love you to do is, first of all, tell your friends about it. Get your friends to listen to the When's My Time podcast. Also, head over to iTunes, leave me a review, leave me a bunch of stars because that helps this podcast rise in the rankings and it helps more people, people like you, people who are looking for this sort of help, It helps more people find it. And you're a good person, so you know you want to help people. Look, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can do that, at Aussie Air, that's O-double-Z-Y or O-double-Z-Y-E-Y-R-E. Or email me, if you you can't cram it all into 140 characters, email me, Aussie at whensmytime.com. And talking of whensmytime.com, don't forget, if you head over to whensmytime.com right now, you can get access to a video that I've recorded. It's about 40 minutes long. 
in which I reveal the top 10 things I've learned since I decided back on that Italian hillside in 2010 to leave the corporate life behind forever. Thanks again for listening. I've been Ozzy Air, founder of whensmytime.com, and I'm here to tell you, your time is now. <laughs>